IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. When Scott McLaughlin left the Supercar Series in Australia after the 2020 season to become an NTT IndyCar Series rookie with Team Penske in 2021, the driver from Christchurch, New Zealand, left behind some incredible records. He won three straight championships with 56 career wins in supercars. McLaughlin always dreamed of moving to the United States to compete in IndyCar and race in the Indianapolis 500. He got off to a fast start by finishing second in the first race of a weekend doubleheader at Texas Motor Speedway in May, and it appeared it wouldn't be long before McLaughlin reached victory lane. But it was a summer of frustration for McLaughlin after he finished 20th in the 105th Indianapolis 500 in May. He finally bounced back when the series raced on the short oval at Gateway in August, with McLaughlin finishing fourth. He wrapped up the season with a ninth-place finish at Portland, 12th at Laguna Seca, and 11th at Long Beach. McLaughlin returns for a second season at Team Penske in 2022 and will be part of a three-car team that also includes two-time IndyCar Series champion Joseph Newgarden of the United States and 2014 IndyCar champion and 2018 Indianapolis 500 winner Will Power of Australia. Simon Pagino of France has left Team Penske and moved over to Meyer Shank Racing beginning with the 2022 season. Team Penske will contract from four cars to three as it prepares to return to sports cars with Porsche. I caught up with McLaughlin last week to talk about the 2021 season and what lies ahead in 2022. McLaughlin also talks about his favorite National Football League team and reveals which team he cheers for in college football in this in-depth but fast-paced interview. Joining us now is Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, driver of the number three Chevrolet. Scott, it was your rookie season in 2021 in IndyCar. You finished 14th in the standings. I'm sure that isn't where you wanted to finish in IndyCar. How much of a learning experience was it for you trying to get a handle on a full season of IndyCar action after your career in Australia in supercars? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was certainly a uh, learning experience, as you said. And I think we, you know, cost ourselves a couple of good results. Certainly Indy was a big one for us that really affected, you know, our championship position. Because I think if we sort of finished where we were going to finish there, we, we were probably going to be easily in the top 10 or the back edge of the top 10 in the championship. So I think that would have been pretty strong. But, you know, I felt like the last, you know, six, seven races, we were really strong. And I felt a lot better in the car and 
which makes you really excited for what's ahead and um, for me in the sport. And in 2022, it's uh, you know I feel like I'm up the grips of the car and feeling like I got a good good feeling within the car and the setup. Uh, so just excited to get back into it in, in February. Things are going to be a little different at Team Penske. Uh, Roger Penske's confirmed that it'll be a three-car team in 2022 instead of a four-car team like we had seen uh, this past year with since Simon Pagano has moved on to uh, Meyer Shank Racing. So with it, does it help that it'll be a three-car team because uh, more emphasis can be placed on the three cars? Or, you know, what are the pros and cons of going from a four-car team to a three-car team? Yeah, oh, look, it's a hard thing for me to explain because I just haven't really experienced uh, Penske as a three-car team. Uh, you know, I came in straight away as, as a four-car team, but... I can only imagine uh, there's obviously just less, um, there's less obviously parts and cars that we have to worry about at the same time, but I still felt like we really worked really well as a four-car team. So, you know, as a three-car team, uh, there's more, uh, you know, focus on on one less car and, and that certainly will help organisation and stuff like that. But I still think, you know, uh, Simon brought a lot to the team in terms of, um, you know, uh, support in terms of, you know, mechanical, uh, you know, how he works with the, with the engineers and, and finding up his speed in different areas. So um, we're definitely going to miss Simon for sure, but it's something that we'll, we'll learn to build as a team and, and we'll just get better and better. But excited to see what it's like um, as a three-car team and a little bit less uh, less work for the team to do. Will it make the engineering debriefs a little more efficient uh, since there won't be that extra car to debrief when everybody gets together every weekend at a race? Yeah, like stuff like that. You know, I think the, it's going to certainly uh, less less personnel. So, you know, uh, last year, you know, the team, we have a team playing and, and you know, it, it's really convenient for a lot of the guys to use. But, you know, a lot of the guys ended up being on commercial flights and, and um, weren't able to sort of travel with the team. So I think you can sort of, you know, get, the group a lot tighter. Um, everyone will be fine on the, on the plane and, and, and going to the races together. And uh, it's not so much of a logistical uh, sort of nightmare, as you could say. So um, certainly I felt like they did a really good job with, as a four-car team, and I can't wait to see what it's like as a three-car team. Personality-wise, I know that Simon was pretty popular with a lot of people on the team. Uh, are you going to really miss his having his personality around? Yeah, look, Simon was a great guy and so good to me on my – uh, my rookie year, he was he was an open book. He'd never really hid anything from me. It was certainly some things that he like. I, I can imagine that they they all hide from me. But you know, we we go along really well. And I think um, you know we're certainly going to miss him. Wish him all the best to his new venture. And I think it'd be great um, for him to you know reset and go again in a new new team. And after he's left, I'm, I've actually picked up his old engineer um, and Ben Bretzman. So I'm excited to work with Ben next year and, and uh, move forward with him and, and take on some of the learning him and Simon have had and over the last uh, few years, especially by winning the Indy 500 and being right there in the championship. I'm excited to learn from him and, and uh, sort of take that into my racing as well. And you had mentioned the difference that there might be fewer people on the IndyCar side, but they'll still be in the building. They'll be working on the sports car program, a lot of them, and uh, some of them have been spread out over some other teams. How many guys – would you say your team has maybe picked up or changed that worked for Simon last year? Uh, yeah, look, I think um, my 
thankfully, my team on car three is certainly uh, hasn't changed too much. I think as a, as a as a group, we've just sort of you know mixed and matched a lot of the a lot of the crew, and 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 some have wanted to go sports car racing again, and and they've wanted to do that, which is you know been been nice for them to continue with. But then at the same time, we've almost been able to make an all star crew out of you know all three cars. So I think majority of my guys are the same, apart from obviously my um my strategist and my uh, engineer. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, work with a couple of new guys and, and see what's going on. And, and then, uh, yeah, from a mechanic point of view, I'm not exactly sure a hundred percent how, uh, how many have sort of shifted over to, to IMSA and then, or, or stayed in IndyCar, but I know it's um, predominantly staying the same for sure on my car. Who will be your strategist in 2022? I'm not sure. Actually, I think I'm pretty sure it's Kyle, but, um, Myron, uh, John Boozlog's been been working with me um, all year, so I'm not really sure if that's like we thought it might change, um, but certainly Myron right now, John, John Boozlog has been good for me and and um, will continue well, at this stage to work with me, and then I think Kyle Moyer will be uh, there as well, um, sort of lending the hand. Now, as far as teammates. You still got willpower around, and even though you're from New Zealand and he's from Australia, in a lot of ways, do you have a little bit of a comfort level since you've spent so much of your career in Australia? Yeah, in some ways. Um, but I think Will's been over here for a very long time, so he's very Americanized for an Australian. Um, it's definitely some things that he does that is very Australian, which reminds me of home, and I think I remind him a lot of home as well. Um, but yeah, look, we, we get along really well and, and, and same with Joseph. I feel like the, the group now, you know, the three of us, you know, we, we, um, certainly there's no issues there between the three of us and we can sort of just push on as a team, which we're all excited for. Um, I'm excited to see, uh, those guys go, go to battle and, and hopefully me being a part of that and, and being right near them. Uh, but yeah, look, like I said, all three of them, uh, this year have been fantastic for my development and, um, with Will, he's. He's definitely a unique character, but someone that I really enjoy racing with and, and learning off. Interesting term that you gave saying that Will's Americanized for an Australian. What are some of the things that you can pick up on that has shown that? Oh, look, I think he's just, he's just got a different, a little bit of a different accent and um, he's probably a lot more used to America than I am right now. And, and he's probably lived in, in America um, nearly as long as he did in Australia. So, um, yeah, he's he's certainly well used to this sport and, and knows the ins and outs of IndyCar racing and where we go to the tracks very well. So, um, you know, this is my, obviously going to be my second year, so I'm excited to go check out places that I, you know, I've been to before and it's not going to be so unknown and, and um, yeah, certainly understand it a lot more. Now, has Will tried to get you into one of his go-karts? Yeah, I've actually got one of his go-karts. Yep. So I've got an X30 uh, willpower cart. And how often do you take that over to uh, GoPro over here in Mooresville, which a couple of weeks ago hosted the, uh, you know, the Nationals, and that was a big deal for a lot of people. I know one of the races, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, and NASCAR's Kyle Larson were in the uh, senior division. Uh, How often do you go over there and run the cart? Yeah, I go – Quite often, um, I love go kart racing. I'm currently in the process now of thinking about actually getting a shifter cart, so it's just a little bit more physical and a bit more bang for your buck in terms of 
the you know testing and when you go out there. But GoPro is such an awesome place to go out there and test. And the race that they had on on the weekend was awesome. Um, you know, there was, like you said, three like pretty cool to see you know, three big guys in their sports go back and race um, the grassroots sort of stuff. Um, but the field and the, the depth of the field was impressive and certainly went out there on Saturday and had a look and, and it was um, it was impressive. So, yeah, I'm, I, I was going to race that race. I'm a little bit nervous, though. I just don't want to get injured. So I just, I'm happy just testing by myself and, and, um, and pushing the limit alone. <laughs> what I thought was interesting in those races was here you have three guys who were at the, you know, been champions or fighting for championships in their respective divisions but yet they're going out against these professional carters that do this all the time. Those professional carters were pretty good. Will Power finished sixth in the Sunday race, which he was pretty excited about that because he says a lot of these guys that do this uh, professional karting are very, very good. What does that say about the depth of talent that they have in the karting levels like that? Yeah, I think the competitiveness and go-karting is next level, especially these days, uh, the amount of money that's getting thrown around in that sport is, incredible and and um you know it's 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 not it's not just a hobby it's a a proper uh, profession for many people um so it's it's exciting to um see for the sport uh and certainly when you go back into say a willpower joseph goes back into you know into go-karting it's no easy feat to run you know where they were running and certainly will was doing a lot of practice out there trying to get ready for that for that um that race and yeah i can imagine he would have been pretty excited because you know, half a tenth or a tenth is is nothing in that sport. It can sort of separate you from first to twentieth. So it's um, certainly a tough ask. Like a, like a, like you said, and like I said, lots of depth. Um, it's exciting because a lot of them are, are young people that are you know coming up through the ranks, especially in the road to Indy program. So you know, it really you know shows that it's going to look it's going to be looking pretty good for the future of IndyCar racing and NASCAR racing in the states. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. 
On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Speaking of the future, I think a lot of people were very surprised uh, two weeks ago when they watched the U.S. Grand Prix from Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, the massive crowd that turned out, just how huge of a show it was. It's not the first time there's been Formula One at Coda. They've been racing there since 2012. But for some reason this year, everything clicked. Uh, the crowd for the three-day total was estimated at 400000 with 140000 on race day. What were your thoughts on why that seemed to be so successful this year? Well, I think uh, a lot of it, the, the Netflix show that they've had and, and the, the popularity that um, the sport has grown to in America. Um, I think, you know, when you watch an F1 race on some Sundays, you know, majority of the time it's trending number one on Twitter. There's so many eyes viewing this. And, you know, I think this year for F1 has been so um, so competitive between Max and Lewis. It's a proper battle. So it's been exciting uh, to watch, and Americans really, I guess, value the competition. I believe so. But at the same time, I sort of feel like IndyCar has helped a little bit of that as well. We've put a, with Romain coming back to IndyCar and you know racing on network TV, and the numbers that we've been having on TV have been exceptional. So I think you know it, they've certainly helped um, you know move the whole sport of open wheel racing in America uh, forward. Um, so I think when you see 400,000 or so at Coda, you know, that's, that's good news for a lot of people. It's good news for us. It's good news for, you know, um, IndyCar racing, uh, open wheel racing, um, you know, and, and I think for the sport to have more F1 races here in the future, it's, you know, at the end of the day, when you talk to someone and you, and you, you sort of show an IndyCar, people think it's, it's close to an F1 anyway. So, you know, I think any sort of open wheel racing popularity is a good thing. And, and um, I'm excited for, you know, for, for everyone um, to, to you know, continue to learn IndyCar racing and open wheel racing here in America. You mentioned the Netflix show Drive to Survive. And I know there's a lot of talk about doing shows like that in both IndyCar and NASCAR. Do you feel that that would be a good move or is it best to be the one who created the show in the first place rather than the second or the third show that comes around? No, I think, well, you can do your different, you can do different, um, you know, ways of grounded. I mean, drugs to the vibe is obviously very, um, you know, dramatic, dramatized and a few things. And there's definitely probably more about the teams itself than the driver, or the you know the, the personal personality of each driver. Um, I, I yeah, look, I think you want to be ahead of the curve for sure. Um, but I think you can also learn being second or third what you can do better and how you can attract audiences and what you can add to it. So um, I think anyone that's sort of looking at drive to survive is looking at that as a model, going, "Oh, that was a pretty good thing." But I think they can also um, learn from it and make it even better. Now, let's say that Netflix came to you and they struck a deal, Team Penske struck a deal for them to follow you around and make you part of their show. Would you feel comfortable necessarily having a camera around you that often? Well, I don't think anyone's going to feel comfortable um, with a, a camera that around that often. Um, but at the same time, 
what do you do? You, you've got a you're some is is uh, been such an incredible reaction to seeing the behind the scenes area in Formula One, and even myself as a race driver, seeing that's been pretty cool because um, it's normally locked out, and you know, race teams and and uh, you know and all that are very very good at locking out you know the the outside noise. Um, so certainly, I think. Um, yeah, it's something that you just have to get used to and, and go with it, and, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it works out to the point where it, you know it has for F1 and it's really raised its stock and its popularity. Also, this is the time of year where normally you'd be getting ready to drive a supercar at Bathurst. Is it kind of strange that you know Bathurst is coming up and you're not going to be part of it? Yeah, it is. It's strange. It's. Um, it's a little bit disappointing as well. It's just, you know, times right now with COVID and a few things, it's just a little bit uncertain in terms of getting back home and, and being able to race it and, and then being able to come back and, and be back on time to be ready for the 2022 at season. So at the end of the day, I'm here to be, I'm here employed to be a driver in the IndyCar series. And, and um, I've got to make sure that I'm fully focused on that and fully focused on, um, improving for next year and, and, and getting better and better. So, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is, but you just got to um, go with it. And hopefully one day I'll, I'll be able to race it again and, and get on with it. And for a lot of fans who may not understand just how huge Bathurst is, how would you as a driver who uh, that race is very near and dear to you, how would you explain that to an American fan, just how huge of an event that Bathurst really is? Yeah, well, it's, it's our... Daytona 500. It's our um, it's our Indy 500, you know. So it's it's a, a big a big deal for us. Um, you know, there's 250, 300 thousand people that uh, that come to this race uh, all the time, and they uh, I guess at the same time, you know, they they they're just a huge uh, festival, you could say. So um, it's hard to explain to people exactly how how good this place is, how good the track is. The track is just phenomenal. It's a completely different beast to what you see on TV. You've really got to go and um, and and watch uh, the race itself and drive the track to really appreciate how cool the track is. Um, so, yeah, I, I certainly think um, that for people, they're going to be um, blown away when they go there for the first time, and I highly recommend going and watching that race one day. And also, we've uh, mentioned several times you're uh, one of the big things that you love about the United States and living in the United States is the NFL and football. And we're almost at the halfway point of the NFL season. And I would say that uh, in the McLaughlin household, there's probably not that much to celebrate between the Carolina Panthers and your wife's favorite team, the New York Jets. How do you kind of assess the NFL season for your two favorite teams so far this year? Uh, look, right now it's, it's pretty pretty bleak in the the Carolina Panthers uh, household, unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think uh, we can certainly get to the point where we're going to be pretty pretty strong here in the, in the near future. Um, just need a little bit more of an offensive line to help Darnold at least, you know, be able to pick up some passes. But at the same time, he needs to be a little bit less reckless to make sure that he. Uh, puts a few on on, uh, on people's chest instead of getting intercepted, but um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's um, he'll be all right. It's just a matter of just sticking with people, and and we'll be okay. But I'm certainly enjoying being in, in America for the football, that's for sure. How many games have you been able to get to in person? 
No, I haven't been to any yet, so which is really frustrating me. But I'm I'm going to get there eventually, and and um, and we'll be able to, uh, you know, check it out for real. But um, especially, I I can't wait to see like a full stadium at, at Bank of America Stadium. It's going to be awesome. Well, I recall speaking to Coach Matt Rule before the 2020 Daytona 500. Uh, maybe we should let him know that you're a big fan, and <laughs> you know, maybe he can hook you up. Yeah, sounds good to me. I'm 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 down. I, I heard he, he's a bit of a race car fan himself, so um, yeah, I'd love to get 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 together and be able to uh, do something with with him and the Panthers for sure. Now, as far as the Jets side of the household, they're having a really bad year. So, yeah. you know, how's your wife held up through another New York Jets struggle? Well, she's uh, almost on the Panthers, so <laughs> that, that goes to show where she's at. <laughs> have you picked, uh, have you discovered college football? Is there a team that you like watching in college football, or, or what do you think of that game? Because it's a little bit different than the NFL. Uh, yeah. You know, seems to be more wide open, fast-paced, um, you know, raucous crowds with colleges. What do you think of the uh, college football game? Yeah, I like the, I like college. I think it's, um, you know, they're playing for their careers, so they're, they're pretty – um, flat out with it all. Uh, I, I enjoy that um, side of it with, with uh, you know, watching that with friends and stuff. But um, yeah, I have uh, decided to support the Wisconsin Badgers uh, mainly due to my sponsor, uh, my spotter uh, Adam Fournier. He's um, he's actually you know, right into you know that that sort of side of the um, of, of that Wisconsin big Wisconsin fan and. And, uh, yeah, so I thought I'd jump on board the Badgers. It hasn't been the best year. We haven't got the best offense, but um, I think they'll get better over time. Obviously, they're a pretty strong team over the years for sure. So do you get up on Saturday and watch the pregames that start like around 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and then get ready for the noon kickoffs and then watch the 4 o'clock game? And then after that, they're on Saturday nights, there's an 8 o'clock game. Is your Saturday's devoted to college football or are you kind of break it up a little bit more and nah. do things around the house and run errands and catch a game here in between? Yeah, that's, that's exactly. I, I, I probably catch a game. Um, I won't do the nine o'clock pregame, not like probably Sunday football, but I certainly go to, um, uh, to watch, you know, I'll watch the 12 o'clock games for sure and sort of try and keep an eye on it all. I really enjoy that. It's, um, it's a, such a fast game, the college game, and, and uh, yeah, like I said before, they're, they're playing for their careers, so it's pretty cool to watch um, them go at it together. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely probably more serious for Sundays just because I just love the NFL. But um, yeah, the college I, I still really enjoy. So in other words, on Sunday you do get, uh, catch the early pregames and go all the way through Sunday night football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll catch like the. I'll probably start watching around you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and then basically put on red zone and away we go. Yeah. Okay, so what's the rest of 2021 look like for Scott McLaughlin? What do you have planned? Do you have any tests planned? And uh, when does the team really get back at it seriously in January 2022? Uh, a lot of simulated testing over the over the winter. Um, you know, we probably won't test till February, so we're, um, we're just sort of focused on simulation and correlation right now. Um, but yeah, getting a, a relationship with my, my new engineer and Ben Bretzman and, and getting amongst all that and, um, trying to learn off him as much as I can and quickly. And then, um, hopefully when we get to, uh, you know, come the season start at St. Petersburg, we're, we're ready to go. And I feel like we're going to be, um, really, really pumped and ready to go for that for sure. 
Well, he was had his impressive moments as an NTT IndyCar Series rookie in 2021. Keep an eye on him in 2022 in his second season. Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, good luck next year, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank 2021 NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year, Scott McLaughlin and Team Penske, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. The season may be over, but Pit Pass Indy will continue to race forward in the offseason with more in-depth interviews featuring the biggest names in the NTT IndyCar Series. So please be sure to continue to tune into Pit Pass Indy. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.